All right. Well, I have something I think we're going to share, and we may we may deviate from it just a little bit. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what God does. Lord, would you just use the next uh, just few minutes here um, to encourage and edify and build up the body of Christ uh, through your Word, Lord? Help me to say what's on your heart, um, to know what's not, and and I, and I pray that my uh, pray that my friends here will be discerning. And be able to hear uh, what it is that you have to say and, um, and, and leave behind anything that's not, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen. Uh, all right. I got to do this first um, before this is not, doesn't have anything to do with what I'm sharing. Um, remember the story of Zacchaeus who can't see, right, and climbs up in the tree so he can, he can get access to Jesus. Uh, when we were worshiping earlier and the words that were being shared, I felt really strongly like the Lord was saying, it is time for you to climb the tree. That, that there are maybe a few of us in the room who have all kinds of reasons why we feel like we're not experiencing as much of God as we would want. And I felt like the Lord was saying, it's time to climb the tree. Zacchaeus positioned himself. He wasn't going to let this moment pass by and not see Jesus. There is something that is needed in the hearts of people to be hungry, to experience what God has for us. The Lord honors that and delights. I think about the woman who touches the hem of Jesus' garment and the power goes out from him and heals this woman. She is absolutely desperate. It, it, like Desperation is actually a good thing for us when it comes to, to the things of God. And so I, I just want to issue, this is a loving challenge to say, it's time to climb the tree. You know what that looks like if that word is for you. So if it's not from you, don't, if the shoe doesn't fit, don't wear it. It's fine. But for some of you, it, you, just, you just know, like, it, it's time. And, and one other thing that's, again, un, unrelated to this, I felt like the Lord was just, just talking to me about um, how some of us are putting limitations on what God can do or is doing because we're letting the world define what we think is possible. Uh, we're letting books or blogs or podcasts or other kinds of things that are not godly influence how we see ourselves and how we see the Lord. And I just want to challenge you to stop that now and to let the word of God inform what you think about who you are and who God is. It is getting in the way of you experiencing true freedom. And, and it's time to let the word of God shape your mind and your heart and be set free. It's actually bringing bondage to your life rather than freedom. Look, if you've been around our church for any length of time, you, are, you would know I am not the legalism police. I don't ever tell you what kind of music to listen to, movies to watch, or podcasts to listen to. But it is time to cleanse the house of the Lord. It is time to say, I will let the word of God and the spirit of God define who I am. And I'm going to set aside anything that's questionable, anything that's on the fence. Stop it. All right? I love you. Uh, and this is, this is a word of love, not, not, a, not a word of rebuke. Uh, the, the, word, the word is, if I could help you and push you up in the tree, I would do it. But I can't. Does that make sense? Like, and so, so I just feel like, let's go. So, Lord, again, if, that, if it fits, let, it, let people wear it. If it doesn't, don't let them. Lord, I pray that people would hear the grace and the truth of Jesus in those words and to step in the good future that you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, cool. All right, so let's dive in. Luke 
no, Matthew. I always say Luke. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It was written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to a holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift, up, they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, the devil took him to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him and the angels came and attended to him. So I won't fill in tons of the backstory here because we've, we've kind of been camped out here. Last week, I only had a few minutes at the end uh, to talk about that very first temptation. And I just want to fill in some blanks that I didn't get to fill in and maybe get to some practical kind of points that, that I didn't get to cover last week. And so uh, there's a little bit of repeat here, but, 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 not, but not a lot. So just, again, so, so we're situated rightly. Jesus is in the wilderness and he's being tempted by the enemy. The Holy Spirit has led him into the this moment where there's this test. And in this moment, he is experiencing the kind of testing that Israel went, uh, underwent when they were in the wilderness. And he succeeds where they failed. But there's actually something deeper here that's going on in, the, in this. Jesus is facing the temptations that we all faced, every human being who's ever lived. And in his victory over these temptations, we also get victory here. So there's something for us to learn in these temptations because we learn something about what we might be tested in and how we might be tempted. And there's grace here as well because we know that we might fall short, but Jesus didn't, right? Didn't. His grace is sufficient for it for us. And so we don't have to be worried when we make mistakes, when we fall short. We've all fallen short. I like John Tyson says we have a glory deficit. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. You, me, everybody, it doesn't matter, every human being that's ever lived. How, and so Jesus reconciles that in his perfect life, his death, his, his, his resurrection, like he's taking care of all that. So where we fall short, it's okay. However, God still wants us to experience victory over these areas of temptation in our life. Does that make sense? So he wants the grace that he won for us on the cross to be applied to our life. And so he wants us to be aware of how we face these temptations and how we can overcome it. So this very first temptation, this test that Jesus faced, I said last week, is one um, that um, is, it's not about what it looks like on the surface. So on the surface, the enemy comes along and says, hey, you're really hungry, Jesus. You've been fasting for 40 days and you're hungry. And so the enemy comes along and says, hey, turn these stones into bread. You're hungry. It's a natural thing to do. You've got the power to do it. Go and do it. And we talked about this a little bit last week. Is the main issue about Jesus feeding himself? No, right? It's not a sin for Jesus to turn stones into bread. Jesus does this multiplication of food. He turns water to wine. This is in the wheelhouse of Jesus to do stuff with food. There's nothing sinful about it. 
So it's kind of a weird thing because it feels like, well, why is Satan coming at Jesus? Well, remember I said last week that the temptations of the enemy are always about bringing disconnection between us and God. It's never about the individual sin. It's always, always about the thing that listening to his voice produces in our life. Does that make sense? The moment we give him ear, the moment we listen to him, the moment we start to play into what he's saying, the moment it starts to bring a sense of disconnection in their life. Sometimes that's overt sin. So if he had said, Jesus, go murder somebody, that would be a different story. That's not what this is about. This is about something else. And we see what it's really about in Jesus' response when he says, man should not live on on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So there's something about this temptation that's really about the depend- who does Jesus depend on? How is he sustained? What is going to keep him going? Where, who does he trust for his sustenance in life? That's the real heart of the issue here. And if we were to kind of peel back another layer, um, because Jesus is saying, okay, the, the issue here is that we, we are sustained by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The real issue is what am I more hungry for? Am I more hungry for what God can provide or am I more hungry for what my stomach, my stomach wants? This is an issue of appetite. What is the appetite of my soul? What is the thing that I long for? What's the thing that's going to keep me going? What's the thing that I'm hungry for? And Jesus here says the thing that we should be hungry for, the ways that human beings are wired, is we're wired to hunger and be sustained by what comes from God more than we are by what we can produce for ourselves. So everybody see, that's, that's really the heart of the issue. And I went into this last week, but I, I just want to reiterate it again, that this is a, acknowledges that human beings have other kinds of appetites. We have hungers, that we are designed, God made us creatures who are dependent on the world around us. We need food, right? If we don't eat for a while, your body will say, hey, you need food. Your stomach will start to grumble. Some of you will get hangry, yeah, right? If you don't drink water, your lips will start to feel parched. Your mouth will get dry. You'll start to feel dehydrated. You could get faint, right? We need human companionship. If we're alone, anyone watch the show Alone? Like people start to literally lose their minds in isolation from other human beings. Some of you are like, I'd like to be on that show. Yes, you would, but it is a scientific fact that it is not good for you. It actually has all different kinds of effects on your body. We were made for connections with other people. We have to have oxygen. Like you, you literally cannot live without oxygen. You, you have to be able to breathe. God has made us beings. And actually, if you don't have enough oxygen, your body will start to tell you, right? You stay underwater too long, what starts to happen? Like you start getting a panicky. You're like, I got to get to the top, right? Because your body needs oxygen. God made us to be creatures that have appetites. Those things, here's the challenge. Those things were meant to serve us to have a flourishing life like God designed. Those appetites, those hungers, those things that sustain us are there. When your belly rumbles and says you're hungry, that has happened to tell you it's time to eat. It's good for you if you eat food. It's when, you get, when your mouth gets parched, that is a sign that you need water. Your, God has made you for, and made those things in your life to serve you to have a flourishing life. You cannot have a flourishing life without those things. They were meant to be our servants. 
to serve us and having a good life. The problem is, with the fall, is we have let those things become our master. So instead of those things serving us to have a flourishing life, the appetites that we have, those, those desires that we have that were originally for good have become twisted and distorted. So instead of those serving us, we now serve those things. And all it would take is just a little bit of time to think about how much you serve those desires that you have in your life. And how twisted and perverted it can get. The way that the Bible would talk about them and theologians have talked about, talk about disordered desires. Like these are things that God put in us that were good, but because of the fall, they're, they're broken and they're not working the way that they're meant to be. And so instead of those things serving us, we become servants to that. Just by way of an example, I love how this is fleshed out in Romans chapter 8. So this will be on your screen or you can look at this here. Romans chapter 8 verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. Let's just pause right there. What the Apostle Paul is doing is using this idea of flesh to describe us being driven by those kinds of desires unchecked. It, it, it's not talking about your actual physical flesh as being bad. It's talking about us being a servant to those desires. Those who live according to those kinds of appetites, you could say, set their mind on what those kinds of appetites desire. But those who live according to the Spirit have their mind on what the Spirit desires. The mind that's governed by the flesh. So the mind that's, that's pr primarily concerned with serving and feeding that appetite, that mind is death. When we give ourselves over to that, when those things become our masters rather than those things become our servants, those things lead us into death. But the mind that's governed by the spirit is life and peace. You only have to think about this for just a minute to realize how chaotic the world is that we live in and how destructive it is when people are driven by their appetites for things of the flesh, even the good things, right? Like it, 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 it it's destructive to us. And we can think about, the, I love this comparison, this black and white comparison, but when we're driven by a hunger or an appetite for the things of the spirit, it actually brings about life and peace. This is what God is saying. Like I've always designed for you to be governed by my thoughts and what my hunger is and my desire is for you rather than the things that you're caught up in pursuing. And if you are willing to do things kind of and align yourself with what my spirit desires for you, you will experience life and peace. However, if you make yourself a slave to those desires, then it's going gonna, it's gonna to be like death. It, it could be an actual literal physical death, but it, it certainly looks like spiritual death. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to, its God, to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of flesh cannot please God. Ouch, these are like really harsh words. Those who are primarily concerned with giving in to the, the, those appetites and serving those things, what happens is you become so preoccupied in serving those appetites rather than serving God, it makes it impossible to actually please God. This is like a very stark contrast, but this is humanity. And Paul's, the Apostle Paul who wrote this is painting with a really wide brushstroke because he wants us to see the gravity of what will happen if we let ourselves be governed by those base desires that we have. 
if we don't make those things our servants instead of our masters. And again, I can't, I can't say this clearly enough. It's not that the desires that we have, it's not that our appetites, the, the longing for, for uh, community, the longing for companionship, the longing for physical intimacy, the, the longing for food and drink and all those things, it's not as if those things are evil in of themselves. They're evil when they do destructive things to us. And here in the wilderness, Jesus is facing the temptation that we're all facing. Okay, Jesus, which appetite are you going to give into? Will you allow your hunger for physical food to become more pronounced than your hunger for what God says and his ability to, to supply your needs? Well, it's pretty clear that that's not what Jesus does. As a matter of fact, it's interesting that the whole passage about Jesus going to the wilderness says he was led there by the Spirit. So we have a clue right away that Jesus is the kind of person whose mind is governed by the Spirit. So what happens in this moment? He doesn't give in to those appetites. He actually says, no, actually, I want what God wants. I know we are only sustained by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Fast forward a little bit to verse, verse 12 in Romans. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to, deeds, put to death the misdeeds, the, that disorderedness in you, if you put to death those things, you will live. You will truly live. This is essentially what Jesus is saying. Like, I want to truly live. This is what he tells the enemy. I want to truly live. And truly living is not turning these stones into bed. Truly living is depending on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That, that, and Jesus knows this. Like, I, it's amazing to me. Like, I, I don't know. I'm just imagining this. Like, I wonder if somehow Jesus, as the incarnate word of God, is like thinking about this kind of thing. This is all going through his head. And then Paul later is like riffing on like, what was that all about when Jesus was in the wilderness? And he was like, oh, this is it right here. Jesus lived this life full of the spirit and overcame the desires that most of us, every single one of us give into. It's interesting to me that the temptation of the enemy here, he comes and says, if you are the son of God. So he's trying to plant this seed of doubt about who Jesus is and his relationship to God. And, and so, and it's weird because he's like, well, if you give over to these appetites, well, then, then the enemy knows that somehow that will put this wedge in between who God is and who he is. It will put some sort of separation there. Well, listen to what happens in verse 14 here in Romans. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are what? Children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so it doesn't make you serve those things so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. So here, here's what, like, let's merge this back with what we were talking about with Jesus. Jesus is saying, I've been led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and I know here in this moment I have a choice. I have a choice about whether or not I will allow this wedge, this separation to come between me or God, or I will once again affirm that I am a son of God. And he does so in this moment, and right there, right there again, the, the affirmation of who Jesus is as son of God just happens right there in an instant. And that is what is available to you and I, like if we are willing to say, I want you more than anything else. 
I hunger and I thirst for what you have and what you can provide more than any other thing that I could ever try to satisfy me. I know it won't ultimately satisfy me. I know it will lead me. If you give in to these kinds of hungers and you let those be the priority in your life, you will always be hungry for more of that and, and, and it won't ever satisfy you. But if you give over yourself to hunger for more of God in your life and being sustained by who he is, that will satisfy you, but in the kind of way where you want more. Have you ever been to a restaurant that just, just knocked your socks off? You're like, man, that is the best thing I've ever had. And you go and tell your friends, like, I can't wait to go back there. That's what hungering for God is like. That's like what being sustained by every word that presents. It's like, I'm hungry and I want more. I want more. It's weird because it feels like, well, if I'm hungry, wouldn't I be satisfied? Yes, but you're satisfied in all the best ways. Whereas what the world and what our giving into our fleshly desires wants us to do is it makes us hungry for more and then and makes us empty. It depletes us. Whereas hunger for God fills us and makes us hungry for more. Do you see? There's a difference here between these things. And again, I said last week, sometimes you don't recognize whether you're being controlled and giving in to those appetites until you remove those kinds of things from the equation. That's why I said last week I would encourage you during this Lent season to fast, to embrace some sort of practice of fasting, just so you can see, how am I being motivated by food? How am I being motivated by my need for affirmation from other people and human connection? Like, I know for some of you, the scariest thing in the world spending a little bit of time alone, right? For some of you, the scariest thing in the world is spending time with other people. I know, it's a different thing. We all have different ways that this applies to our life. But the reality is that all of us, like, have, we don't recognize how the ways that we're being controlled by these appetites until sometimes we remove the, the thing from, from us for a little while. And then we can step in and discover how we can be sustained by the word. So really, really quick, I, I just want to, I'm going to go just a couple minutes longer. How, how are you sustained by the word? What does that look like practically, to be sustained by the word? If man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every, every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, what on earth does it look like? I'm going to give you four things. The first thing is really obvious, and I mentioned it last week. It's about absorbing this book. It's about immersing yourself in these scriptures to think there's no way you can think the thoughts of God if you don't know what the thoughts of God are. And here he has given you tons of revelation about what he thinks about all manner of things. And, 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 and his, uh, his desire for you is that you digest this word and that you find yourself sustained and nourished by it. And, and that could look different for every person in the room. For, for some of you, it's as simple as you just need to do a Bible reading plan on your Bible app. Read a couple verses a day and just, just start there. And, and, and some, for some of you, it, it might look like you, you need to just do a Bible study. Like, really simple. you got to do a devotional. For some of you, you know that's not enough for you. You've got to read pages every day. I'll tell you, I'm just going to give you really simple because I, I just refuse to make this something that's like inaccessible for us. I'm going to tell you what I do every, almost every single day without fail. I read one chapter from the Old Testament, one, one psalm, and one chapter from the New Testament every single day. 
That's the way that I am sustained by this word. Now, let me tell you what that looks like in practical life. Without knowing it, because I'm committed to doing that, when I pray, I find myself praying the words of Scripture. When I'm, when I'm counseling someone in a pastoral situation, I find myself giving words of counsel that come from Scripture. When I find myself uh, having a medical test done and I'm not sure what's happening in my body, I find myself speaking the promises of God over me because I've ingested it, I've devoured it over and over again. Right? I'm not saying this in any way to boast. I'm just saying this is how this comes out. Like I don't always understand everything that I read and I don't always remember everything that I read. But I like what Bill Johnson has to say about this, like that sometimes you read God's word and it's like, I don't remember what I had for lunch last week on Tuesday, but I know that I ate it and I was sustained by it. Sometimes reading God's word is like that. It's like, I don't know exactly what I read last Tuesday, but I know I read it and I know it fed my soul. And we've, we've got to break out of the mentality of this being about getting information from the Bible and like, this is life. When, when Jesus says we only are sustained by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, there are a lot of words right here. And so as strongly as I can encourage you, wherever you need to start, start devouring the word of God. Start there. If you need help with that, I would be so happy to help you. You're like, I don't know where to start reading the Bible. Come and talk to me. We've got lots of people in this room who I know would be happy to read Scripture with you, walk through Scripture together, hold you accountable to doing it. It it doesn't need to be something you do on your own. So that's the first one. The other three are really, really short. All right, so that's the first one, reading the Word of God, devouring the Word that way. The second thing is leaning into the promises and words of God he's spoken over you. I learned a number of years ago that um, God has spoken uh, things in my, in my quiet time, in my prayer life that are intimate, that I just know that the Lord has spoke to me about. He's also spoken words to me and words of prophecy, words of knowledge, um, things that have stood out to me where I know like God was speaking to me in a special and a unique way. And what I've learned to do is to keep a file, a digital file, it used to be a paper file, but I keep a digital file of all of those things. I keep an audio file of any time anyone's ever spoken a word of prophecy or a word of knowledge over me. I keep an audio file of all those things. And I go back regularly to the words that God has spoken to me and I'd be reminded of what God has said. And I can't tell you how powerful that is in my life. Because there are times where you feel isolated and times where you feel alone and times where you feel like, I don't know what is happening next. And so it helps me to be sustained by the words that God has spoken to me. To go back and listen to those words and go, what did you say again, God? What did you promise? What did you say? And it, it might not, let's say you're the kind of person you've not been exposed to much prophetic stuff. That's fine. You, that's not your wheelhouse, whatever. Chances are you've had some devotional times with God that were absolutely life-changing. If you have those things, write them down in a journal, keep that journal, and go back to what God's spoken to you. Do you know that when you read other people's devotionals, you are reading their story with God right? It's not that there are some people who are smarter about the Bible. It's just someone took the time to write down their encounter, right? And you have those same kind of encounters available to you. So write those things down, go back and visit it and be sustained by the word that God has already spoken to you. So there's the written scripture and then there's the word of prophecy, the word of knowledge, the words that you have that have encouraged. Then the other way that you can be sustained by the word of God is by going before him and saying, God, I need you to speak to me right now. There are some times where it's like, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. And I'm just going to seek you until you give me direction. 
And I'm going to tell you that sometimes you walk out of those times with God spoke to you really clearly and said, do this. And that's amazing. And I think we should always seek God's heart when we need direction. Too many of us, myself included, chief perpetrator here, immediately go to worry, trying to figure it out myself, trying to problem solve myself rather than saying, God, what do you want to do with this? And I think that God wants to give us direction. I think he wants to speak to us and he wants to sustain us through times by speaking to us. Sometimes he doesn't say anything. I'm going to be honest. There's plenty of times where it's like, I'm hearing crickets, Lord, right? But even then, I feel like in pursuing him, I have been sustained. Even in coming before him and saying, Lord, I, I, I don't know what to do here, I feel like I get the nourishment that I need. So, so I, I think we have to go and pursue him, and that in that pursuit, sometimes we receive a word of God, but then sometimes there's actually something else on a deeper level that happens. That leads me to my fourth thing. Jesus talks about himself in this kind of unique way. He says, I'm the bread of life. You got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. He says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Those are interesting words, right? What does that actually practically look like? We can't drink Jesus. I mean, there are different theologies about this, but I, I don't believe that when I drink this, I'm literally drinking Jesus. Like some people do, but that's okay. That's fine. That's not, that's not what I think about this, right? And even, and even then, come to me and, and drink from the waters that I will give you. What, what, is, what is he talking about? Look, I could spend the next 30 minutes trying to explain it. And at the end of the day, I would tell you, I don't know. It's a mystery. There's a mystery that happens when we approach Jesus, the incarnate word of God, and our relationship with him. And somehow he does something to us we cannot explain. When he says, come and, come and eat my flesh and drink my blood, come to me all who are thirsty, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. It's not like he literally makes us fall asleep most of the time. There's something mysterious and mystical and supernatural he does in our hearts. So when he says that we are sustained by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, scripture tells us that Jesus is the word of God. It says in Hebrews that, that he is the definitive word, the, the exact representation that, that in, in the past God th spoke through process, prophets, but in the last day he has spoke through his son Jesus. He is the word of God. And so if I want to be sustained on the word of God, it means coming to him saying, Jesus, sustain me. Help me get through this. And there's something that mysterious that happens when we come to him. And so those times where I'm seeking him for an actual word, where I want him to speak, and I walk away from those times feeling encouraged and feeling like something happened inside of me, even though I didn't get the direction I need, I think that's what Jesus is talking about. Does that make sense? So I wish I had a better explanation than that, but sometimes I think it's okay for us to not have an explanation for what scripture means. Uh, Jesus was okay with giving parables that were confusing to people. Like, you know, like they're always walking away like, what the heck did he mean? So I don't want to make you confused. I'm just saying when I read these words of Jesus, he's offering something to me that I can't wrap my mind around and I want it. Right? So what does it mean to be sustained by the word of God? What does it mean to hunger more for what he has on offer than to give in ourselves? It looks like nourishing ourselves on the written word of God. It looks like reviewing the promises of God that he's spoken into our life. 
It looks like seeking him to speak into situations that we need. And it looks like coming to him in prayer and receiving kind of mystically, supernaturally, something that only he can do in our soul. That's what it looks like. I'm going to end. Here's what I would say. I think there needs to be some confession and some repentance in our church family. I I know there does in my life for the ways I've been hungering after my own kind of appetites, my sinful appetites, rather than hungering and thirsting after the things of God. I, I just confess that before you. I know that's true of me. And I think that God wants to do this restorative. He wants to blow in his fresh wind in our church and refresh us. But renewal cannot come without repentance. The revival that we want, the renewal that we want in our heart cannot come without acknowledging, God, I've been hungering for other things. And I know I need to realign myself so I realize I'm sustained by every word that comes from your mouth. So I'm just not, there's no show here. If you want to stay and pray, you can stay and pray. If you want to go, you can go. I just would encourage you to lean into this this week. To lean into what you feel like God is saying. To ask yourself, do I really hunger for the things of God? Do I really believe that he can sustain what I need? Am I really willing to give up the things right now that I know are just pacifying me but not satisfying me? So Lord, I I just pray that you do your work. Holy Spirit, that you do your work in us. Lord, that you reorient our thinking and our minds towards what you have. We bless you, Lord. We thank you. Do your work, Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you want prayer, come up for prayer. If not, We'll see you next week.